His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me in my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If if you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me in my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under His covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and may grace and peace be multiplied to you today as we're here celebrating God's presence. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you are alive and well and Lord, you are in our midst. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. And Lord, we thank you for being right here, right now. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Stand together this morning if you can.
just rest the instruments for just a moment. And with your voice, in the way that you know how, I want you to begin to adore God. Lift up your voice to him, Lord. We lift up our voice in this place. And we give you the highest praise. For you alone are worthy, Lord Jesus. Oh, we glorify you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Praise your holy name. Hallelujah, Lord. We adore you. We love you, Lord. We lift you up in this place. We give you glory and honor and praise. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. All right, guys, you can just play something. Hallelujah. I just want you, everyone, to lift your hands right now. And in your hearts, I just want you to make a decision to say, Lord, I surrender to you. You're making yourself available to him. For him to do what he needs to do. For him to do what he wants to do. Lord, we surrender to you, Lord. We give way to your purpose. We make you a priority, our highest priority in our life. You're the reason why we live. You're the reason why we exist. And Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise with our life, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our body. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He's done everything for us. And it's a small thing for us to offer ourselves to him. You know, he offered himself to us. Oh, Lord, you're so good. You're so faithful. You are the way, the only way. You are the truth, the only truth. And you are the life, the only life. And you're the only way that leads to the Father. There is no other way. There is no other Savior. There is no other door to heaven. It's only through Jesus, having a relationship with him, loving him, walking with him, communing with him, hallelujah, fellowshipping with him, glory to God, hallelujah, oh hallelujah, glory to God, hallelujah, hallelujah to Jesus, bless your holy name. You know, what you experience here at BCF is the most word-based praise you'll ever encounter. Amen? Because when there's a word that doesn't agree with the Bible, it gets changed. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, Father, we're thankful that you're here and that you're with us. And Lord, you have a voice. And we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. Yet 
Onaha. I am the rock of your salvation, says the Lord. I'm your firm foundation. Not easily moved. I will hold you up. I will sustain you in a storm. Trust in me and you will not be moved. Trust in me and you will not lose. Trust in me and you will be truly free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Today is the second Sunday, and we like to celebrate communion on the second Sunday, and communion is a family affair, amen? And I want to tell you something about communion before we partake of the elements. And um, in Psalm 105 and verse 37, this psalm highlights all the things that God did to deliver his people out of Egypt. And it says here in verse 37 of Psalm 105, he brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Say, not one feeble. That, that word feeble means not steady. It means uh, tottering. It means weak. So you think about two to three million people who were slaves for 430 years under harsh taskmasters with intense physical labor. You would think that there'd be some weak persons that they'd have to carry out of Egypt, that they'd have to bring out of Egypt. But the Bible says there was none feeble among them. Why? Because they had a picture of something that brings life, health, and strength to them called the Passover meal. And they were to uh, take a goat or a lamb and they were to kill it. And it had to be spotless. It had to be perfect. And they took that blood from that goat or that lamb and they applied it on their soul They applied it on their spirit, and they applied it on their body, the three points of the doorway, right? That's the three points of your life. And when they applied that blood on that door, death came by that house, and it couldn't get in. It couldn't cross the bloodline. They were covered in the blood. They had applied the blood. Because Jesus said that the body... The bread represents his body, which was broken. How did his body get broken? Isaiah 53 tells us. Isaiah 53 in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and pain and acquainted with grief. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we did not appreciate his worth or esteem him. But in fact, he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows and pains. And that's sickness and disease. Oh, hallelujah. 
Yet we assume that he was stricken, struck down by God, degraded and humiliated, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Say, by his stripes I am healed. Now, that's not just spiritual healing, because in Matthew 8, he healed people physically to, to uh, reaffirm what Isaiah spoke hundreds of years before. So his body was broken through thorns that were placed upon his head. His body was broken because of the fist strikes that were given to his body and his face. His body was broken with the lashes of a whip that were on his back. His body was broken with the nails in his hands and feet. His body was broken with the spear in his side and his flesh on the cross. Those are ways that his body was broken. He was delivered to death for our trespasses and was raised to life for our justification. Hallelujah. And then Peter said this in 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Today, you need to die to sin and live to righteousness. By his stripes, you are healed. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So the importance of his broken body was so that ours could be fixed. And in order for his blood to come out, his body had to be broken. Because the juice represents his blood. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant. His blood is a purchasing uh, agent. It purchased us. It bought us. What did it pay? It paid our debt that sin had on us. Glory to God. His blood was shed. And if, if, a, if a nation could get cleansed by the sprinkling of the blood of bulls and goats, how much more shall the blood of the only begotten Son, the Lamb of God, be shed and cleanse us from a, 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 a dead conscience? Do you know what the blood has done for you? It has paid for your sin. It has set you free. And when we take communion, it's simply a picture. It's a reminder of what he did, the length that he went to redeem us. Hallelujah. So I want you at this time to go and gather your elements. We have the tables in the back there. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful as we come to your table. We find freedom. We find healing. We find deliverance. We find righteousness in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go and get your elements and then come back here and we'll partake of this together. Glory to God. It's a healing and a deliverance day. I want you to prepare your hearts to get healed. Hallelujah. Our God is a healing God. He's a saving God. He's a delivering God. Everything he did then, he still does today. Except he doesn't have to go on the cross again. That was once and done. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you and we praise you and we magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If putting blood on doorposts can deliver people from death, imagine what it can do for us today. How do we apply the blood to our life? We declare what the word says about it over us. We say it redeems us. Amen. So at the Last Supper, before he was about to go to the cross, he took time to fellowship with his disciples representing what was instituted under Moses. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat our bread. And likewise also, after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Let us drink. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And give God a praise and a shout for what he's done for us. How he purchased us. How he redeemed us. How he saved us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Well, we're glad that you're here today. You're in the right place at the right time today. Amen? Amen. We're going to make a confession that's based on God's word. And uh, we want to invite you to join us as we make our confession. Let's make our confession. Jesus is our Lord and Master. And we are always learning about his ways and his kingdom. We willingly and faithfully come to Jesus to find rest for our souls. The Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. We do his will because it is our delight. His gentleness and humility give us peace and security. We choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High and we remain secure and at rest in the Almighty's shadow. He alone is our refuge, our fortress, our God in whom we trust. The Lord has rescued our life from death. He bountifully blesses us and is always good to us. Therefore, we rest in him. Because God's peace is with us and in us, we do not worry and we cast all our cares on him. We are confident in Christ and enter into his divine rest by faith. The Lord freely offers his rest to all of us. We receive it because we believe it. God's rest refreshes our souls. We are God's people, and there remains a Sabbath rest for us today. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
at Victory Christian, Christian Fellowship, we, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. benefits. Amen. Amen. It's well hidden. Oh, glory to God. I am so excited. Woohoo! <laughs> we are in October, and I have some October announcements before I do our weekly announcements. October is Pastor Appreciation Month, so we continue to celebrate our pastor's anniversary. 20 years here at Victory Christian Fellowship in September, we just flow over into October double-double. You can put cards and gifts over in the cove. You'll see a container there throughout the month. And October Missions Project is with our Bishop Keegan. Some of us met him a couple years ago. He has a an orphanage and a school or just an, an orphanage, an orphanage in Kenya and you can see the tent that they use. That's for their meals. That's for what their gatherings. It is torn from wear and tear and the years gone by. I used to live in Kenya, and the Lord reminded me this morning that the rainy season happens starting October through December. And I remember the torrential downpours in December. And so the Lord quickened this to me this morning that this is an urgent on-time need that we can bless Brother Keegan and his the children that he ministers to with a dry place to eat their food. So I just want to encourage you with that because the Lord quickened that to me this morning and reminded me of the rainy season that they have over there. So the, that's you can mark your checks, Kenya tent or just tent, and we'll know it's for Kenya. Also in October, we have woven. It's always the third Friday of the month. So since October started on a Saturday, we might be thinking it's time, but we have to wait till the third Friday, which I don't know the number, but the third Friday is woven, and that starts at 6, 6 to 8-ish. And we are gearing up for success as we finish off this year, looking forward into 2023. So ladies, you want to plan to be here for that. And then we're wrapping up, wrapping I notice I don't say my ing too well. I just dropped the G. <laughs> We're wrapping up October with the Men's Everyday Hero Conference. Woohoo! We are expecting to fill this house with men. So bring out some friends, bring out some neighbors, coworkers, family members, guys ages 12 and older. You are welcome to come. You can register in the bookstore or online, and it starts Friday evening at 6 p.m., October 28th, and then continues Saturday, October 29th, 8.30 to noon. Now, guys, if you can't make both evenings, come to one. Don't just, like, wipe off the weekend. You are welcome to come to one of the days. So please, make plans to be here. You will not be disappointed. It's called Level Up with guest speaker, Pastor Doug Pishka and Pastor John George. And John, Pastor John George will also be with us that following 
Sunday, which is October 30th. So that's October. Isn't that exciting? Woohoo! I'm excited. Just about October. Okay, now we'll talk about this week. Are we ready? Shift our gears. Okay. This week, we are excited to have our second This Generation program for the Palmyra Middle School. Woohoo! Yes, we broke new ground last week and had our first. And so now we're excited to have our second. We're reaching in, into the middle school with Jesus. And so invite uh, middle schoolers you know, we, if they're homeschooled or cyber-schooled, if they provide their own transportation, they're welcome to come. It's from 125 to 225 on Tuesdays right here at VCF. And... Then in the evening, we have our youth group called New Generation Air Force. Woohoo! That starts at 6. Now, as we were driving up here, okay, when, before we drove up here, the Lord spoke to me, I make all things new. So I've been singing that and, and seeing that. He's like, behold, I make all things new. It's in Revelation 21.5. So we need to see the new things. And some of the translations say, behold, I am making all things new. It is present tense. And then it follows up to write down what we see and that Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. It's all there and that his words are faithful and true. So we say some of those portions in songs and to one another, but it's all there in Revelation 21. So take a look at it. Behold, I make all things new. So as we drove up. Uh, Pastor Nelson was like, you know what we're going to do for Air Force on Tuesday? So are my Air Forcers listening? Okay. I thought you were. (laughs) We are going to work on the grounds after our meal to clean up the grounds. We're sewing into cleaning up the grounds so it looks new. Okay, so dress appropriately. All right. And then I'm sure as we, as we uh, work outside, we'll be singing new songs because every time we meet, God gives Abby and Devon new songs. So praise the Lord for that. Woohoo! this arm likes to, sh- like, victory, right? Okay, Wednesday night refreshing, 630. Come and be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. That's at 630 on Wednesday nights. And then Thursday... We have Bible Adventure. That's for third, fourth, and fifth graders from Northside and Forge Elementary Schools. And that starts around 12.30, I think, for the students until about 2.30, somewhere around there. So we're excited to have the third, fourth, and fifth graders with us here. If you know any of them, invite them to come. And also, if you'd like to see how you can participate, you see Miss Chris. Frenchek, she's sitting there towards the back. She would love to let you know how you can assist us in that. And I got all the announcements for October as of today. Amen. I, I asked Pastor Doug if I could share something. Um, this morning, the Lord was sharing. I, I when I pray in the morning, the Lord will give me a word. That I, and then I just hook up to that word and I just go with it. But so I did for myself, uh, look, thinking about it. But while we were doing worship, it came back and it's something I should share with you. So I want to share it with you. And the verse that uh, Pastor Nadine mentioned about making all things new kind of goes with what I'm about to share. One of the things that we 
have been conditioned in the earth realm to do is only respond to people that we feel respect us. So if somebody is showing us disrespect, which is based on our definition of it, we tend to close off from them and, in other words, judge them. And I feel like that's a work God needs to do in the hearts today is to uproot any thoughts you have of any people that you may feel have disrespected you in the past, currently now, and let's just do it for the future. How about that? (laughs) The one thing that that does, here's what it does. It gives that person a position in your life that does not belong. So if you are having a problem with people because you feel like they're disrespecting you, you are expecting them to treat you a certain way that it should be a relationship between you and God. You should have respect for God. He respects us enough to send his son to die for us in that regard, okay? I know the Bible says he's not a respecter of persons, but that's in the context of he doesn't give one favor over the other. Everybody can participate in what he has available, right? But the, the behold, I make all things new could happen for you today. Many people are sad and don't do what they should do in life because they're walking around with hurt and pain from disrespect. It's like a thorn in your flesh. It's like a thorn in your heart where you expect someone to treat you a certain way or respond to you a certain way when you do something for them. But see, when we do that, we are removing the love walk results. The love walk says, actually, we're supposed to love people on purpose that can't love us back. That's actually what the love walk is designed for. But if we listen to the world system, the world system says that people have to earn your respect. So my question is, how much do they pay? Right? So every person has a different price. The way that this is fixed in you is to fix your relationship with God. And all the songs we happen to sing today kind of point to that. That I give you my heart, Lord. You are the one that has my heart. See, the devil tricks you into thinking that that what you're doing for your spouse, for your kids, for your co-workers, for your church, your pastor, your peers, the members of the church, whoever, is to help them. But they don't care. And in other words, you're saying they don't respect me enough to receive what I'm saying. So whatever. And now what does that do to you? It gives you a bad attitude. Even if you try to hide it, it will show up when you're in the presence of that person. If the person is gracious enough not to point it out, you thank God. (laughs) But they'll know. Right? This is tough, isn't it? 
telling everybody about this. But I feel like God, I don't know what Pastor Doug's preaching about. I really don't know. I pick these songs way ahead. He doesn't even know the sermon. Sometimes I say, oh, what are you preaching about? I have no idea. Okay, great. I'll just pick my song. So I just stop asking. I don't usually ask. <laughs> so because it could change the night before for real. So it doesn't even matter, right? But if we look at First Peter 2.17, you can write it down and just go uh, look it up later. Show respect for all people. Treat them honorably. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Ephesians 6 2. Honor, esteem, value, and as precious your father and your mother, and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise. So. The enemy has set up a place where parents are lousy at their jobs. They do terrible things to their children, and they're horrible. But that does not mean that they cannot be honored and respected. And the first place to do that is in your heart. This is how you apply the love walk. It's not a position, this honor and respect is not earned. It cannot be earned. It just is. Okay? And what the world has done is twisted the thoughts of honor and respect so that we feel like they don't earn it so they don't get it. Love earned it. Love paid for it. It's our job to set in our heart honor and respect that's what we do it does not it does not need a response from them it needs no response from anybody it is just your perspective about people okay when it comes to husbands and wives this honor and respect applies it's not to be earned if it has to be earned then what jesus paid for is of no value jesus is the word okay And he said, the word said, this is what we're supposed to do in these positions. This is what makes us different than the world. If we have to, if people have to um, earn these things from us, then we're setting prices that God didn't set up. Like where in the Bible does it say, how much, how much should they do for us to earn it? There's no, there's no, if the Bible wanted people to earn these things from us, it would have told us after they obey you three times, then you can show them respect, right? After they listen to what you had to say for the fourth time in a row, it has to be in a row, then you can honor them, okay? It doesn't give us any criteria, so it does not belong there. Who we honor and respect is important. The Bible gives us who we should do that to. Our spouse, our parents. We should also esteem our children. Read in Ephesians, okay? When the honor is given, there is a frequency that goes out. Everything has a frequency. That's a whole different subject. Melissa can tell us about that sometime when she does announcements. But everything has a frequency. You have to understand when you're in front of someone and you dishonor them, that's what you're giving to them. And they know it, but but they don't say something to you, which is graciousness. <laughs> okay? I believe if you remove these things from your heart, 
your life will be better. And the things you're trying to get people to do will just happen. See, what happens is when we're waiting for somebody to earn our respect, it puts pressure on people that you don't even realize. When are they going to realize my worth? When are they going to know how much I can help them? You, that's pressure, right? And you're thinking these thoughts around the people, especially if it's a spouse or a child or a parent and you're living in the house. Imagine that. All every day around them, this is what you're thinking. When are they going to? When, do you realize you're putting a timetable on this person? And there's a lot of pressure. And then you don't know why there's pressure in the environment, right? So what I'm saying to you is very tough, I know, but you can handle it, okay? You want to examine your own heart, and the way to get rid of disrespect of any person is forgiveness. You have to forgive. Remember, if somebody does something to me, and they do the same thing to you, they may not... It may not hurt me or do anything to me, but it may do something to you. So does that make it a sin? Like, what is the problem? Like, why is it different for you than it is for me? You have to ask yourself that question. You see? So forgiveness needs to be offered all the way around in your heart. Nobody has to say forgive me to you. You forgive. Nobody has to... You don't have to go up. Somebody doesn't have to come up to you and say, would you please forgive me for being so mean to you? No, you sh- it should have been done, right? It should be like, you know when uh, the best um, advice for cooking and all this stuff, you know, or doing things, is clean as you go, which, yeah, I'm still working on that. But, <laughs> you know, any project you do, like you finish the thing, and you, so then there's not a mess left after. Okay, you should apply that. At least I know how to do this principle. Apply that principle to forgiveness. When somebody, as they're, as they're dishing it out, you're just wiping it out. You're just wiping it out. As they're dishing it out, you just kind of like, right? Clean the plate. As they're doing, okay, sounds good. Got it. You got it all out of your chest. That's great. That's good. Good for you. Doing, you're doing good. <laughs> and just let it go, right? These are things we can do because we have the word of God. Do not behave the same way as the world when it comes to your relationships. Because the records in heaven has a record for you. That's what you're working with, the records of heaven. Okay? All right. Everybody good? We're all, we're all good? All right. I'm going to give it to Pastor Doug now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Aretha Franklin got it right. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, right? Glory to God. Now, I will lighten the load a little bit. <clears throat> there was a, uh, a four-year-old in church when the wine and communion wafers uh, were passed out. He was very interested in this and uh, started to get up. And his mother leaned over and told him that he was not old enough to participate in communion. Later, when the collection plate came by, he ignored it. His mother again leaned over and tried to coax him, uh, coax the nickel out of him. 
He steadfastly refused, stating, if I can't eat it, I'm not paying. (laughs) And uh, there was a church that was really into health. So uh, they were using a non-fat, high-fiber, not gluten-free communion wafer. They called them, I can't believe it's not Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right, before I dismiss the kids, I just want to share one scripture with you in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. You know, when it comes to giving, God wants you to receive more than he wants you to give. And uh, in Luke 6, verse 38, the Bible says this. He says, give, all right? That's our part. Then he said, then he adds, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet, It'll be measured to you again. So your giving gets a four to five times response from God. Amen. And uh, your giving stirs the pot, right, in your favor. So here at VCF, you can give any time that you desire during the service. We have containers on either side as you came in here and by the bookstore there. Uh, you can give online. And if you're watching online, we say welcome to you, Father. I give you thanks and praise for the gifts and the givers. I call them blessed, blessed, blessed by your hand, by your promise. You you have provided for them. You have protected them and you prosper them in Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, kids, we're going to dismiss you to your class around our kids living in faith every day. And our teachers have a good class. Have a good time in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, are you ready for the word this morning? The word of God. Today we're going to talk about finding God's will to heal. Did you know that God is a healer? As much as he is a savior, he is also a healer. You know, God didn't save you so that you could live a subpar life. He didn't save you so that you could just spend the rest of your days in misery or pain or anguish. But what did Jesus say? He said, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you you might have life more abundantly. God wants you to have an abundant, rich, full, satisfying life. And so he knows the frailty of humanity. He created them. Now, God created man not to die, but man chose to disobey God and bring death on the scene. And Jesus was a flesh man. He walked among us. So what God did was, in his plan of salvation... He also provided us with the greatest health plan ever. And it is healing, not just so that you can be healed. God wants you whole. He wants you walking in health. And sometimes to get into health, you need to be healed. Right? 
so that you can walk in the health. The ultimate goal is to walk in the health. But there are times when sickness attacks your body. There are times when uh, weakness and infirmity come in, but God has provided us with a remedy and a cure and methods of receiving healing. Amen? And I want you to go to, with me to go to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to start with uh, verse 12. Uh, we're going to go to Luke 5, verse 12. But I want you to realize in, in Matthew 6, 10, that God wants his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Say, God wants his will done here. So what God has provided for us is his will. You know, he has a will about marriage. He has a will about raising kids. He has a will about being a good employee, right? He has a will about being a good person. God has a will for each and every one of us in, in, in the sense that he has an assignment, a job, a task, a purpose for every one of us, right? God has a will for your life. You, you were brought into being on purpose for a purpose, and our job is to find God's will on every subject. Today, we're going to find God's will about healing. What does Jesus think about healing? Well, in Luke chapter 5 and verse 12, we're going to read this and we'll talk about it. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And, and he put forth his hand, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Everybody say that, say, I will. That's a definite, clear answer to the question about what this man was uh, seeking. Be thou clean, and immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go show yourself to the priest, offer for your cleansing according as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But uh, so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Okay? So this man, he had a few things right, but he questioned one thing. First of all, he came to Jesus. How many know you got to go to the right source? This man recognized that there was something in Jesus that he needed that would change his life, that would change his circumstance, so he came to Jesus. Amen? You guys did the right thing today, you came to church. Amen? You came to fellowship with believers of like, there's, there's something about being in an atmosphere of like precious faith. Amen? And uh, so this man came to Jesus, right? And he knew that Jesus could. He knew that Jesus had the ability. He knew that Jesus had the power. He knew that Jesus had the capability. I know you can't, but one thing he was lacking. Would you do it 
for me? Are you willing? What is your will, God, regarding healing? Will you heal me? Will you touch me? Will you help me? You know, a lot of people in a lot of subjects wonder what God's will is. And uh, this man, he wondered, are you willing? He asked the Lord. Now notice, he fell on his face. He was worshiping God. He came to him in an attitude of worship. He said, Lord, if you will. He said, you can. He didn't doubt that he could, but he doubted whether or not he would. He was wondering what his will was. Now, Jesus didn't have to go into a great example or a philosophical explanation of what his will is. He simply said, I, I will. He simply said, I, in answer to the question, what is your will regarding healing? I will heal you. I will heal you. Amen? So that cleared it up for the man. Now he was three for three. He came to Jesus. He worshiped him. He knew that he could. Now that he knew that he would, not only did Jesus say, I will, but what did he do? He touched him. He touched a leper. Now, I looked up in the Encyclopedia Britannica, right? Leprosy is a chronic infectious disease that affects the skin. It, it causes people with leprosy to lose sensation in their nerves and their extremities degenerate, right? You can lose fingers, hands, uh, things like that. In almost all cultures throughout history, leprosy has aroused dread and loathing about the prospect of an incurable disease. This is encyclopedia. And a lifetime of progressive disfigurement. Leprosy is also a type of sin. Okay? And uh, at one time, uh, well, most often lepers were ostracized. They were considered unclean. And they were gathered into isolated colonies. They were called leper colonies. I actually visited one of them in Guyana. I've been to one. And, uh, you know, his skin was probably oozing. He probably didn't smell good. Let alone society didn't want to come near him. You know, they had to be known as unclean, unclean. They, they, they couldn't really gather in a public setting with everybody else. It was like a death sentence. And here he comes to Jesus. Because maybe he heard some things about Jesus. And will you, are you willing? Jesus touched that leper. Because Jesus knew that the life in him was greater than the leprosy. He wasn't afraid to touch him. He wasn't afraid to show compassion. He wasn't afraid to get in the mix, so to speak. Jesus touched him and vehemently with a, 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 with a resounding, unequivocally, no doubt, he said, I am willing. Be cleansed. 
If you ever wonder what God's will regarding sickness is, his will is willing, is always willing to heal. He's always willing to alleviate. Amen? And uh, to be willing means a desire, wanting what is best, because someone is ready and willing to act. It's God extending his best offer, oh, hallelujah, to the believer. So when Jesus said, I'm willing, Jesus is saying, I want the best for you. This is what I want for you. This is my heart for you. I'm willing. I want you to be cleansed. Not only did I want to, but I can, so be. He spoke it. And what happened? That leprosy left that man immediately. All right. I want you to go to Matthew 8 for just a moment. Matthew 8 for just a moment. And I, I want to see Jesus' willingness in another instance. We're not going to look at the whole instance. Okay? But uh, Matthew 8, verses 5 to, uh, 5 to 7. When Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Notice beseeching him, seeking him, going after him. How many know you got to go after Jesus? He already went after us. He already left heaven, came to earth, became a man, died on the cross, rose again. He, it is finished for him. Right Now, he's still working in us. He's still praying for us. He's still encouraging us. But the main job that he came to do is done. Now the ball is in your court. What are you going to do? How, you, got, you can't just sit there. You've got to go after Jesus. You've got to pursue him. You've got to seek him out. Right? Righteousness is a worthy pursuit. Holiness is a worthy pursuit. Right living is a worthy pursuit. Amen? So this, this centurion came beseeching him, verse 6, saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Okay, what was Jesus' response? Verse 7, Jesus said, I will come and what? I will come and heal him. Jesus didn't even, he didn't even stutter. He didn't even pause. His response was immediate. There's sickness, I'll come and heal it. I'll come and take care of it. Amen? That's his will. That's his heart. That's his desire. All right? Now, Jesus revealed the will of the Father very clearly. All right? Do you believe that this story actually happened? Why do you believe that? Because it's in the Bible. The Bible can't lie. Amen? The Bible is God's breath. Whoo! The Bible is Jesus on the page. The Bible is alive. It's, it's not just, I mean, this is a historical, actual account of an individual, and this is actually how it happened in their life. All right, go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. What is God's will regarding healing? Verses 7 and 8. Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8. He is is now delegating authority to the disciples. In other words, he came to the disciples and he wants to reproduce his purpose. You know, when God wants to reproduce his purpose, he puts a team together. 
And in this team, they were, they were called the disciples, right? But God's got a, an organization called the church. He's got a group of people called blood-bought believers, right? And he wants to duplicate his purpose in you and through you. We are on God's team. We work for God's business. We're in his family, and it's a family business. Amen? Notice what Jesus told his disciples in verses 7 and 8. As you go, preach. Communicate the word. Proclaim the word. Okay? Saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everybody say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So if you're preaching something about the kingdom, this must be what the kingdom wants done. Okay? Notice, what does the kingdom want us to do? Heal the sick. Was that a suggestion? That's a command. Cleanse the lepers. Do you see that there? Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Guess what? As believers, say I'm a believer. If you're a believer, you have a right to do these things. Why? Jesus commanded you. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. That must mean he wants leprosy cleansed. That is a revealing of God's will. This is Jesus again saying what the will of the Father is. Amen? Now, the good thing about God's will, it's not wishy-washy. In other words, God's will has never changed about sickness. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord God. He changes not. If he willed for sickness to be healed then, then he wills for sickness to be healed today. Do you realize that God opposes sickness? When does sickness come into this earth? When sin occurred. There was no sickness in the earth until sin happened and man gave control of the earth over to the enemy. Romans 5 tells us, through one man, death came into the earth. But through another man, righteousness came. Amen? And righteousness will cancel out death. Glory to God. So Jesus used his... He, he, he clearly demonstrated and proclaimed what his will is. Amen? He wants lepers cleansed. Jesus told the centurion, I will come and heal him. He told uh, the leper, he said, I am willing. Without a doubt. I mean, he put to rest the question that the man had. He answered the question. Do you realize when you're not on the same page as God, you can ask where you're missing it? You can ask what you need. You know, God doesn't mind ask, you asking questions. God will not get nervous about your question. Amen? He welcomes your question. And guess what? He'll answer your question. Do you remember when Jesus would speak in parables? And the disciples, they, they'd go and it would be just Jesus and the disciples. And they would say, Jesus, what did you mean when you said that parable? And he would give them the meaning. See, out in public, he would speak the parables, but to those closest to him, he would give the understanding. Amen? All right. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I want you to see a regular pattern of what Jesus did in verse 23. What are we doing? We're finding God's will to heal. 
It is God's will to heal. If you're struggling with a sickness, if you're struggling with sin, God, God doesn't want you, he doesn't want that sin hanging on you. I mean, everything he did was to destroy sin. He destroyed sin. So why does it have a grip on you? Amen? You got to kill it. Trade in your sin and get some righteousness today. Trade in your burden and get some forgiveness today. Trade in your bondage and become free today. Amen? It's your choice. You want to be in bondage? You go ahead and be in bondage. But being in bondage is no fun. Being overwhelmed by burdens is no fun. Being free in Christ, now that's fun. Amen? All right. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, all Lebanon County, teaching at VCF or in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Who, who went around doing this? Who's Jesus? He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's God in the flesh. He is divine. Guess what? Everything he did was God's will. So look at, he is demonstrating to us what God's will is. Jesus went about to these different villages, different places. So if he went around to different places, I guess what he's offering is available to everybody. Amen? There's no select group of people, select tribe, nation, or tongue that only Jesus came to. He came to everybody. The kingdom works for everybody. It works here. It works in Africa. It works in Asia. It works in South America. Amen. God's kingdom is for everybody. God's will is for everybody. This is for everybody. Jesus went about teaching at VCF, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Notice all manner of sickness. Would that include leprosy? Would that include paralysis? Would that include blindness? Would that include heart disease? Would that include high blood pressure? Would that include cancer? Every manner of, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So it seems to me like sickness and disease are both covered. Hallelujah. Say, God's got me covered. Say, I'm covered by the blood. Hallelujah. It is God's will for you to be healed. Jesus went around doing this. Among the people, there was a lot of sick people in Jesus' day. And then verse 24, fame throughout all Syria. Notice Syria was like a neighboring country. And they brought unto him, what did they do? They brought unto him, that's an act of faith. You making your way to Jesus, that's an act of faith. Faith doesn't just sit there and do nothing. Faith doesn't just sit there and is silent. Faith does something. Faith says something when it hears what it, when it believes. Faith has to attach an action with what it hears. That, that leper, he went to Jesus, right? He was worshiping Jesus. He just was missing it in one part. Amen? And so, look at, look, look at verse 24. And they brought unto him... That's an act of faith. All sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments 
and those which were possessed of the devils. Oh, the same power that heals you is the same power that delivers you. Glory to God. And those which were lunatic, man, they're crazy. You ever met a crazy person? God's got a cure for craziness. He healed them, period. He he never said to them, I won't. You will never read in the Gospels where someone that came to Jesus got the response, I won't, or I will not, or I can't. Everyone who came to Jesus, amen, left whole, healed, changed, different. Glory to God. So, how do we know? You know, some people teach that it's not God's will to heal, or they say healing is the result. If I get healed, it's God's will, but if I don't, it must not have been his will. Does God want everybody saved? Is everybody saved? So the people who aren't saved, can they say it's not God's will to save them? No. See? Just because someone doesn't get healed doesn't mean it wasn't God's will to heal them. It doesn't change God's will. Okay? Let's look at how Jesus did the will of the Father. John 4.34. All right? John 4.34. Jesus was telling the woman that uh, uh, he was telling his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and complete and finish his work. Say, Jesus came to do God's will. I mean, if there was anybody that ate, slept, breath, uh, breathed God's will, it was Jesus. Amen? And guess what? It can be us too. If Jesus did it, we can do it. Say, if Jesus did it, I can do it. You can, you can, be, you can do God's will too. Amen? Go to John chapter 5, verse 30. John 5, verse 30. Jesus said, I can do nothing of my own initiative or authority, just as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but only the will of him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There is another who testifies about me, and I know that his testimony on my behalf is true and valid. Jesus said, I only seek to do the will of him who sent me. So healing is God's will. Healing is what God wants. Okay? Verse 36, chapter 5. But the testimony which I have is far greater than the testimony of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very same works that I am doing testify about me that the Father has sent me. What were the works that Jesus did? Healing, saving, preaching. Glory to God. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Jesus did three works. Teaching, preaching, and healing. He went to Palmyra. He taught, preached, and healed. He went to Lebanon. He taught, preached, and healed. Amen? He went to uh, Camp- Campbelltown. He taught, preached, and healed. Everywhere Jesus went, he did these things. He was demonstrating the will of the Father. Notice the teaching and the preaching come before the healing. You know, people need to know what God said about it. 
Because the word of God is the will of God. Amen? How would you know God's will? Well, God gave us a book called the Bible. The Bible is the inspired word of God. It is God-breathed. God's breath is in these pages. He breathed on men, and they wrote down what they were told. Right? So we find God's will by the word of God. This is the primary way that Jesus reveals himself is in the word. What did John tell us? He is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the living example of how we need to live the life that God gave to us. We can do what he did, say what he said. We can even think his thoughts. Well, I thought God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Yeah, they are, but you get in Jesus, he's an elevator that takes you up. He elevates your thinking. Amen? Did you know that Jesus elevated the status of women? He had women that supported him. He had women that followed him. Jesus honored women. He elevated this. Oh, ladies, you ought to shout on that. I mean, he elevated your status. Satan was going to rob you of your status, but Jesus elevated your status. Thank God for women. Let the men say, thank God for women. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you only go by results, then you're going by your senses. If you only believe that it's God's will to heal when you're healed, then you're not going by faith. Faith goes by what it can't see. Amen? Well, I'm just waiting for God to heal me. Then you haven't received it yet. It's not yours. It's not a reality to you. Would the leper have made... I mean, the leper was probably not in the best physical condition to make his way to Jesus. But did that stop him? How about the woman with the issue of blood? She was weak. I mean, you're losing blood. You're weak, right? But she had to make her way to Jesus. Wherever she was, however long it took her to get to Jesus, she was determined that she was going to get to Jesus and nothing was going to stop her. Why? Just because she heard some new information. Just what she heard, she believed it strong enough where she was going to make her way to Jesus. That's how you got to believe God strong enough. Amen? That you can't sit idly by and watch your miracle pass you by. Yes, there are times when God's miracles have nothing to do with us. But there are times when our participation is needed. We have to put our faith in him. Amen? So, he answered this leper. And he said, you, it is my, he said, I, I will. And he answered the question. Alright? Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 13 to 15. First John chapter 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name 
of the Son of God that you may know. What do you need to know? That you have eternal life. How many know that you have eternal life? Amen? He said, this was written that you might know. In other words, what was written is enough proof that eternal life exists and that it belongs to you. Because when you accepted Jesus, you got eternal life. I have eternal life right now. Eternal life doesn't begin when I die. It began, it began when I accepted Jesus Christ. Actually, it began when I was born. You're going to live eternally. You're going to either live in heaven or hell by what you choose. Jesus is not keeping you out of hell. Anybody that goes to hell has gone there by their own choice. They rejected the free offer, the free gift that God gave them in Jesus, and they ended up in hell. Jesus did everything that he could do to get them out of hell, to keep them from going there. But they chose to go there. You know, when you're going, when you're, when you're taking a trip, and I, I've done this many times, so I can speak by experience, and you take a wrong turn. You know, if you're, if you're taking a trip and you take a wrong turn, you are not going to end up where you intended to go. You're going to end up in a place where you didn't want to be, a place, well, and then maybe in that place you experienced some, something bad. Well, you, because you went off the path. You took the wrong direction. And man, that's not where you were supposed to go. That's not even where you had to go. But you took a wrong turn. You got off. Right? And you experienced something bad. Is that God's fault? No, who's the one that got off the path? I did. Amen? I'm the one that missed my turn. And I ended up into a place that I didn't want to be, that I shouldn't have been in the first place. Some people end up in a place like that in life. You end up in a bad place, and you're wondering, God, why are you doing this to me? And God's like, I had nothing to do with it. Do you realize how, you know, God speaks to us? When there's danger impending, but sometimes we just can't hear his voice. He tries to prevent us from going there. Then we want to blame God when it happens, when it wasn't even his fault. Amen? Okay, these things were written. All right? Verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will... Okay, well, how can I ask according to God's will? You got to look to the word. The word is synonymous with his will. The word is God's will. Okay. And uh, if I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. Verse 15. And if I know that he hears us. Well, how do you know that he hears us? Because you're asking according to his will. If I'm an heir, and I am, and I hear that Uncle John left me $100,000 in his will, right? And I have a copy of the will. I can go to where Uncle John's assets are, and I can say, I'm here to claim my $100,000. Well, who gave you the right? Uncle John did, because he put me in his will. Here is the legal document that says it's mine. I'm here to claim what's mine. This is God's legal document. That you can claim what is yours. This is God's will. Will and testament. Right? You know, when you write a will, this is my last will and testament. I'm, I, Douglas Pishka, being of sound mind, am writing out this will. I bequeath 
to my beautiful, loving wife, Dr. Fiona. Right? This is what God did for us. But see, this is his will. You got to know his will. The leper didn't know his will, but it only took him seconds to find out what his will was. Did you know that Jesus didn't tell the leper, okay, leper, I'm going to be having a class on Tuesday called Knowing God's Will. And if you come there, you'll find out what my will is. Jesus didn't say that. He answered his question on the spot, in a moment, boom, less than one second, I'm willing. That question was answered. The leper knew that it was his will to be healed. You know why? Because the leprosy didn't hang around. When, When he was secure in what God's will was, he was free from leprosy. When he understood what God's will was, the leprosy, he was freed from it. He was freed from the oppression, from the oozing, from the the, the disfiguration, from all that. Oh, my goodness. And then he had to go to the priest because the priests were were the doctors of the day who would determine whether or not a leper was cleansed. Amen? So the only place to find God's will is the Bible. you got to look to scriptures. Right? The Bible is the express written will of God. It reveals him what he likes, what he doesn't like. It shows us who God is and what he's given to us. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, God's will is, uh, it can be known to us. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That leprosy stayed with that leper even though he came to Jesus, even though he knew God could, even though he was worshiping. But once he knew what what his will was, boom, done. Your faith cannot go beyond the knowledge of God's will. You can't go beyond the knowledge of God's will to have faith. If, If something is not in the Bible, you really can't have faith for it. Right? You can't go beyond the knowledge, you can't go beyond your knowledge of God's will to have faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. How did you get saved? Oh, I, I, I was walking one day and I stumbled into a church and I got saved. No. Right? You heard something, didn't you? You heard that God loved you. You heard a message about God to you, and you made a choice. You accepted Jesus as your Savior. You called him. You believed what he said, and you called him Lord, and you were, boom, you were saved. It took your participation to get saved, didn't it? Was anybody saved against their will? Yeah, they they pointed the gun to me, so I got saved. You know, they threatened to kill my dog, so I got saved. No? No? Nobody gets saved because they're pressured into it. Salvation is a free gift that can either be received or rejected. And uh, Jesus came to give us this gift. So there is evidence in the scripture. When, when you're praying for healing, never say, if it be your will. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you clearly that it is God's will. All right? I could actually give you 30 reasons why it's God's will to heal, but I'm not going to do that today. We'll be here till 10 o'clock tonight. 
Go to Romans, or we're in Ephesians 5. Look at uh, verse uh, 17. Ephesians 5, verse 17. He gives us some things to do here about walking wisely, redeeming the time. But verse 17 says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Oh, guess what? God said that we can understand his will. No longer is his will. His will is a mystery. No, it's not a mystery. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Say, I can understand what God's will is. On every subject in my life, you can know exactly what God's will is. Colossians says, pray that, Colossians 1 verse 9 says, pray that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. If you don't know what his will is, ask him. You know, in Psalms, the Bible says, I'll teach you to do my will. Psalms 40, I will, God said, I will teach you to do my will. In your scroll, it was written about me. You know, God scrolled you. Amen? He wrote some scrolls about you. There's some scrolls that have been written with your name on it in heaven. It's a detailed plan of your life. From the moment you were conceived to the moment you were born, God has a detailed plan that's in a scroll in heaven about you. And he had, this plan is in place. God's plan for you has never changed. Whether you're doing God's plan or not doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan for you, but his plan for you has never changed. And it's time that we start doing God's plan. If we're not doing God's plan, what are you waiting for? You can only hit your head against the wall so many times before you say, ouch, and you start to bleed. Right? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. No, if I hit my head this time, I'll be okay. No, you won't, you fool. Stop hitting your head. Charles Capps said, you know what? The best thing I learned is when I found myself in a ditch, I quit digging. How many know if you find yourself in a ditch, quit digging. Start getting out. Don't dig any further. Don't get yourself in a deeper hole. Amen. All right. So we can go to Romans 12. Romans 12. Hallelujah. Whoo. Romans 12, verse 2. Hallelujah. Hmm. Now, he tells us some, some things to do with our body, right? But verse 2, be not conformed to this world. See, too many times you got the world's will on your mind. You've been programmed and conformed to think like the world, to speak like the world, and to live like the world. But God's saying, be not conformed to this world. In other words, you're not going to find any positive will in the world. Be not conformed. Don't be like it. Don't let, them squ- don't let the world squish you into its mold. That's what the Phillips translation says. But be transformed. God wants you transformed. He wants you changed. He wants you to be like the second Adam, not like the first Adam. It's time for an upgrade, guys. You're getting a second Adam outlook today, a second Adam perspective. Can I have a second opinion? I'd like, I'd like an opinion of the second Adam, please. I don't like the opinion of the first Adam. I like the opinion of the second Adam. He's a, he's a better expert on things. You can get a second opinion from the second Adam. 
1 Corinthians 15 talks about Jesus being the second Adam. All right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect what? Will of who? Oh, my goodness. See, in order for you to embrace God's will, you've got to change the way you think. The leper had to change the way he thought. He knew that God could. He knew that if he came to Jesus, the only thing he didn't know was, will he do it? I'm taking a chance. I'm taking a risk. Will you do it? Yes, I will. Boom. Hallelujah. It's done. When he found out God's will, he was completely healed. He embraced God's will. He was obedient to God's will. God's will is be cleansed. Okay, I'm going to be cleansed. Amen? You know, he didn't have a funeral for his, his leprosy. He wasn't sad when his leprosy left. He was rejoicing. I bet he went off to the priest like this. Woo! That leper had a new walk to him. Do you realize Jesus told him to not tell anybody, but what, as a result of what happened to this leper, Jesus couldn't even go into cities like he could before. And, and he would stay in the remote places of where he was known, and people would still come to him. You read it in the Amplified. Hallelujah. That leper was so rejoicing, he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Amen? Okay? So we can know the acceptable, perfect will of the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But in order to do that, you've got to change the way you think. So you, the, the only way that you can get new information is you've got to get God's will has to become your will. When you agree with God... When you harmonize with the Holy Spirit, oh, glory to God. When you and God are saying the same thing, thinking the same thing, you get the same results. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right? Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Well, yeah, okay, one more, and then i got to give you these next things real quick. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Hallelujah. My goodness, God is so good. Verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren. So is he talking to brethren? Yep, he says he's talking to me. And exhort you by the Lord Jesus as you have received. What did they receive? They received the gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of the kingdom of God has the message of healing in it. Okay? In other words, healing is the pepperoni that comes on your cheese pizza. You already get the, you already get the cheese, you already get the pizza, but the pepperoni is in addition to. Amen? And Chef Jesus puts it on. Well, if you don't like pepperoni, whatever you like on, on, as your pizza. Pineapple, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm just using this as an example. You know, it's like the one, the one church, they, they had a person that regularly prepared communion. And uh, this time, though, they noticed that the communion juice was a little bit darker. But they didn't give it much thought. But when people started drinking it, they had this very weird look on their face. And when the pastor tasted it, he understood why it was prune juice. Not a good thing to have communion with. All right, so 
that you have received of us. They means they communicated the message to them and they received the message as you ought to walk and to please God. Listen, there's a right way to walk. There's a wrong, wrong way to walk. There's a right way to please God. And there's things that tick God off. Read Proverbs six, seven things that tick God off. A proud look, a lying tongue, feet that are uh, swift to run to evil, a uh, false brethren, right? Those are things that God hates. Anyway, side note, don't, won't charge anything. Okay? And to please God so you would abound more and more. You know, when you're walking right with God and you're pleasing God, you're going to abound more and more. All right? For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. A commandment is his will. Verse 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Say, this is the will of God. In other words, through the commandments, through the teachings, through the message, they understood what God's will was on how to live. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you three reasons why believers fail to get healed. All right? Number one, they don't know what God's will is. If there's any kind of confusion on what God wants, it's hard to receive when you don't know what he wants or when you don't know what he's given you. You know, have you ever been given a gift and you look at the gift and you say, what am I going to do with this? Right? You know, maybe you attended one of those white elephant parties and you got that, you know, how they, they, they do these gifts, you know, like, and you get some, like, oh my goodness, oh, oh thank you, oh, I don't know, uh, you ever got a gift like that when you don't know what to do with it and it's down in your basement on a shelf for five years because you still don't know what to do with it, amen? You know, if you don't know what to do with something, you can't use it. Right? If you don't know what, what God is saying, you can't have it. People don't know that the Lord bought and paid for their healing. When did he do that? At the cross, at the crucifixion, bet the debt was paid. That included healing. Healing is included in the atonement. Okay? Sickness did not take God by surprise. You know, when Adam sinned and the devil got control of the earth... God and uh, Gabriel and Michael didn't have a meeting Say, what are we going to do now? Sickness is running rampant. Oh, my gosh. No, God had a plan. His plan was to give healing. Amen? Didn't take him by surprise. So if you, if you don't know uh, what's yours, you can't lay claim to it. If you question God's will about it, you cannot have faith for it. Okay? Same thing with being born again. Right? You've got to believe that Jesus is Lord. So you confess him as Lord, and when you confess him as Lord, he comes into your heart. Amen? Number two, the second reason why, people, why believers don't get healed is what's been provided by grace must be received by faith. Ephesians 2.8, by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, lest any man can boast. It is the gift of God. All right? So we have to take possession of what God said. You know, some people think it's all up to God 
about whether or not I get healed. Well, then, why did he say to have faith in God? Why did he say that faith pleases God? Why did he give us faith if he doesn't want us to do anything with it? Amen? So, and then uh, the third reason why why believers don't get healed is that many people don't obey and follow God's perfect plan for their life. If you're not following his plan for your life, that means you're out of his will. You know, if Uncle John was really upset at me, that I did something wrong to Uncle John, you know, he could take me out of his will. I, I had a, it was my great Uncle John, I guess, I don't know. I'm, my middle name is John, so I was named after some John. But I'm just giving you an example, you know, I did something bad that Uncle John doesn't like. And so he's still alive, right? So he can actually change his will to exclude me from the benefits. He could take me out of his will if he wanted to. But disobedience, it takes ourselves out of God's will. God's will hasn't changed. God's will is here but I'm over here because I disobeyed God. God didn't move. Who moved? I moved. I took myself out of his will, and therefore being out of his will exposes me to all kinds of negative things. When Zechariah, no, Zacchaeus, you know, the wee little man Zacchaeus, he wasn't as short as uh, the shoe height, though, but he was short. And he was a tax collector. In those days, the tax collectors worked for the Romans. And they would set the fee that the Romans wanted, but they would add to the fee for their pockets. And if you read the Bible, no one liked tax collectors. They despised them. They, they were not a good group of people. The, the Jews did not like the tax collectors because they were working for Rome. Plus, they would lie and get extra for themselves. They were greedy, covetous people, most of them. I guess maybe there was a few of them. But Zacchaeus, he was the head IRS agent of this district. And he saw Jesus... And he, he couldn't see him because of the crowds, so he climbed up a tree because he knew that Jesus was going to pass by at this moment, so he was going to be up in this tree. How many would climb a tree to see Jesus? That shows faith. Yeah. Zacchaeus is doing something to get to Jesus because he wants to change his life. He can't change his life where he is. He's got to make a move to change his life. So Zacchaeus gets up in the tree, right? He's there waiting with excitement, and Jesus is coming by. He's like, oh, there's Jesus. Oh, praise God. And Jesus stops. And he looks up in the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, he says, I'm going to have lunch at your house today. And what does Zacchaeus do? He says, if I have wronged anybody, I will pay them back four times. You know an IRS gets converted when they want to do that. (laughs) Nothing bad against IRS agents, right? I'm, I'm glad that I can pay my taxes, praise God, as long as there's not undue influence of evil. 
Amen? But Zacchaeus, the minute that Jesus said he was going to fellowship with him, his life changed. His heart changed. He was willing to pay back what he took four times as much. See, that's, that's faith. See, his faith produced a result. He invested his faith into the gospel, and the gospel produced the result. Amen? So you've got to follow God's plan for your life. You've got to obey obedience to God. Adam, if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. Okay. He didn't die physically, but he died spiritually. You know, physical death comes from spiritual death. It happened exactly like God said. You're going to die. The moment Adam ate of that fruit, he died. He was separated from the life of God. He was separated, and there was no way of getting it back. Adam lost the earth. It affected us all. Now, I'm not ticked off at Adam. Neither should you be, because how many of you did something wrong and knew it was wrong? Don't raise your hands. Just keep smiling looking forward. We all have done something wrong, wrong. Knowing it's wrong, we would have done the same thing. It's important for you to be on God's path for your life. Why? If you're not on God's path, then who's your Lord? You are? Your career? Someone else is Lord other than Jesus. If you're on the wrong path, you're not going to get to where you need to be. You can't get to heaven on the wrong path. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow. Everybody say narrow. Is the path that leads to righteousness. All right? Hallelujah. Let me just go to to Proverbs 4, and then I'm I'm done here. Just a couple minutes. I got to get this out. Proverbs 4. This is the first reason why we know that it is God's will to heal. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. Listen to what it's saying. Look what it points to. Look what it magnifies. Proverbs 4, 20. My son or my daughter, son is a position. It's not a gender in the Bible in this particular case. (laughs) Attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them, and health to what? All your flesh. The word of God, that word health, is the word marpe. It's the word medicine. God's word is medicine to what? All your flesh, to your bones, to your organs, to your skin, to your hair, to your eyes, to your ears, to your hands. Outside, inside, up and down, all around. The word of God is medicine to your flesh. Have you taken your medicine today? You know, if you're sick and you go to a doctor to get a prescription... Let's say uh, you have an infection and they give you an antibiotic. You know, you have to take that. Let's say you got to take it three times a day. They print it on the medicine label. How many people go to the doctor and get a prescription and they follow that prescription? They take it three times a day for seven days, right? You got For an antibiotic, you got to take the whole thing. 
Can't stop at day five. Why? It loses its effect. If, I, if you were to come into my office and I was to describe, take these three scriptures three times a day, would you take your medicine? Well, I don't like reading. Didn't ask you if you like reading. This is life or death here. You got to take your medicine whether you like reading or not. Some people don't like swallowing pills, but sometimes you have to. Amen? Why? There is medicine. His word is medicine. Say, his word is medicine to all my flesh. For every ache, every pain, every infirmity, his word is medicine. Why? It's what, what you were created out of is what can fix you. What you are created out of is what can fix you. You have God's breath in you, don't you? That's how you became a living being. Well, isn't this God's breath? You're, God's breath is in you. This is God's breath. And when God's breath breathes on you, he, he increases the uh, healing process. Healing is a process. Now, I'm not going to go over these, but there are 10 different examples in the Gospels of people that were healed by their own faith. Out of 19 accounts, is 10 more than half? 60%, 70% of people were healed by their own faith. Jesus acknowledged their faith in regards to their healing. So faith must be a very important thing when it comes to receiving healing and knowing God's will. Amen? I just want to leave you with this. I'm just going to read you these. Uh, I'm going to read you some. Uh, I'm going to give you some medicine. Okay? Malachi 4.2. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go forward and leap like calves. Some of you need to leap like calves from the stall. Your aches and pains have kept you in that stall, but he comes with healing in his wings. Woo! I can leap and I can run like a deer. Glory to God. Deuteronomy 7.15, the Lord will take away from you all sickness. He will not subject you to any of the harmful diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but he will impose them on all who hate you. Hallelujah. How many want to transfer their sickness to your enemies? Glory to God. Exodus 23:25 You shall serve the Lord only the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread and water I will take sickness from among you All right Exodus 15:25 He said if you will diligently listen to my uh, listen and pay attention to the voice of the Lord your God do what is right in his sight listen to his commandments notice he's always pointing to the word and keep his precepts and statutes, then I will not put any of the diseases which I have put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rophe. I am, not was, not going to be. I am right now, right now, right now. I am present tense. I am, I was, I always will be, but I am means it's, it's all. I am the Lord who heals you. Say, so he's, he's my Lord who heals me. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits. Uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, who takes away all my iniquities, who heals, and who heals me of all my diseases. Hallelujah. Psalm 107, 20, he sent his word and healed him. His word is Jesus. And he healed them. He rescued them from their destruction. You need to be rescued today. Some of you are playing around with fire. And you're going to get burned if you don't get rescued. You need to be rescued right now. I'm a fireman, not, not for real, but I pull people from the fire spiritually. Amen. I was a fire chaplain for a while. That was true. In Anvil, I was a fire chaplain. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes you were healed. 
Look at Matthew 8, uh, 14. Uh, you don't have to, let me just read it. When Jesus went into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. Peter said, Woo, I'm out of here. See you later. And she got up and served them. When evening came, they brought to him many who were under the power of demons. He cast out the evil spirits with a word. I love that. With one word, go. He, he restored health to all who were sick so that he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So Jesus did physical healing to point what Isaiah said. Some people think, oh, Isaiah said spiritual healing. No, it was physical healing too. Amen. First Peter 2.24. Isaiah said, you, you are healed. Peter said, you were healed. Isaiah was looking to the cross, knowing what was going to happen. You, you are healed. Peter was looking back at the cross. It's a done deal. You were healed. You were healed right there at the cross. Once the payment was made, healing was available to everybody. Amen. And healing is yours today. It's a healing day today. If you're here today, and you have any type of infirmity, sickness, weakness, disease, pain. Jesus, it's God's will for you to be healed. He wants you whole. It's not his will. for God does not use sickness to teach you something. He uses the Holy Spirit to teach you something. He uses his word to teach you something. He never uses sickness as a, as a lesson tool. Amen? He can teach you himself. Jesus is the greatest teacher of all time. He's, I mean, he's given us the author of the, of the book living on the inside of us. What more do you need? Say, today is my healing day. Today is my deliverance day. It is not God's will that any man perish and go to hell. God doesn't want any person to go to hell. So if you need to come to Jesus, today's your day. But you gotta sit there, you, you gotta, you gotta take action in response to what he's saying. You can't just sit there, otherwise your miracle will pass you by. And you'll still be stuck in the same situation. The only way to change your situation is to surrender to Jesus. And if you need to surrender to Jesus, today's your day. It's a divine appointment. Amen? So if you need, uh, if you have any type of sickness or disease in your body, I don't care how small it is. I don't care how big it is. My God's bigger. My God takes care of the small things. He takes care of the, the little thing, uh, the big things too. Amen? Hallelujah. So if you need to make a move for Jesus, you need to come. If you need to get healing, you need to come. Amen? You got to take some action. That's what you add your faith to what he said. But I want you to be, 